first service. First service, there was like nobody. I'm proud of you. You're like the involved type of people. That's cool. How many of you, let me ask you this question, how many of you played, oh, wait, we're going to see. This is like the trump card, but I'm going to shot. How many of you played baby Jesus? Raise your hand. Okay, all right, good. How about Mary? Anybody play Mary? Oh, cool. Cool. Joseph? Got any Josephs? Shepherds. Do we have any shepherds among us? Very good. How many of you, like me, got to play an inanimate object like a tree? Yep. They didn't trust me with lines. I'm not sure why. Um, we've got a lot of familiar characters in our nativity stories, right? Here's, here's a picture of our personal nativity at home. The kids get to play with this all the time. I'm looking forward to my granddaughter playing with it. It's a great time. Um, but if, if we've been here in the last couple of weeks talking about some of the pictures of the nativity that aren't exactly historically accurate, and I'm not going to ruin all of the secrets and surprises. I'm not going to rehash all of the things that we pointed out, but I do want to point out this one thing, okay? In this picture, you've got Joseph, you've got Mary, you've got baby Jesus, you've got the shepherd and his sheep, you've got a camel and a donkey, we just assumed they were there. We're not sure. But look at these three dudes up in the front. The three magi. The three, three wise men. Unfortunately, the three wise men were not at the nativity. They didn't show up for at least a month. So, unfortunately, these guys, they're, they're not going to be in our nativity for very long. Um, and so we need to get rid of them. There you go. No more. But what are we going to put in their place? Well, I'm going to introduce you to two people who are supposed to be in the nativity. However, most of us don't even know they exist. Most of us, I, I, I would be shocked if any of you, how many of you here played either Simeon or Anna in your, your little Christmas? Day? Absolutely not. Uh-uh. And you know what? I made a comment first and I was corrected. I've never heard a song about Simeon or Anna. However, there is a song about Simeon and it's not Simeon is coming to town, although I thought it was that. Uh, there are no songs about Anna, um, although Anna got run over by a reindeer sounds pretty cool. Simeon and Anna are two very important people. So, so what I want to do is I'm, we're going to introduce them to our nativity this year. And so I had a couple of little elves help me with some, some craft projects. So let me introduce you first. Uh, let's go Simeon first. Let me introduce you to our little man Simeon here. Here he is. This is Simeon. Put him up there. There we go. This is our man Simeon. You notice uh, Simeon has a mole. Um, we're not sure why. Other than the guy painting the hat had a little accident, so now Simeon has a mole. Simeon, and you're all like, is he going to hold that thing the whole time? Oh, no, there's one better coming in a second, I promise. But Simeon, Simeon was an older dude who uh, was uh, a fearer of God. He was devout, we're told, in Luke chapter 2. And he was promised by God that he wouldn't die until he saw the promised Messiah. That's Simeon. So we're going to talk a little bit about him, so let me put Simeon down. But then, but then we have a, a, a second character named Anna. Anna was a, a, a lady who married young. Um, she was married for seven years, but then her husband passed away. So after her husband passed away, she lived 60-plus years as a widow. Okay? So, so Luke tells us that she lived to a good uh, old age of 84, and she's always in the temple. Let me tell you, she's always, I, I don't know, many of you are from out of town, you're visiting your mom, you're like, mom always goes to church. Guess what? Your mama is JV compared to Anna. Anna lived in the temple. It says she never left the temple. So let me introduce you to our friend Anna. Um, Anna, oh, oops, uh, got to be gentle. Here's, here's our friend Anna. Okay. Okay, Anna. All right, here we go. There you go, see Anna. <laughs> we worked hard on this one, by the way. <laughs> I think we might win some awards for this one. I'm not sure. Um, Anna, 
in the temple every day, just a, a unique person who we often leave out of our Christmas stories. And it's actually, actually quite the shame. Because when you understand the story of Simeon and Anna, what you find is they are declaring the good news of Christmas unlike many uh, other people. And so but this is what's going on. Leave me a little context with the story of Simeon and Anna. Mary and Joseph are, are just being parents, okay? There's nothing extravagant about what they are doing in, in here. Now, the extravagant part of the birth of Jesus, that's pretty obvious. But this one, this one, they're just going about their lives as a typical Jewish family would. On the eighth day, they had their child circumcised. On the 40th day, they would fulfill the, the feast of purification. They would head into the temple. And when they went into the temple to bring their offering of purification after 40 days, they would, they would bring either uh, bring a lamb and a, a turtle dove. However, if you were poor then instead of bringing a lamb and a turtle dove, if you couldn't afford the lamb, then you would just bring two turtle doves. So, so before I go any further, let me explain to this to you. That's the kind of family that our Savior, Jesus Christ, grew up in. A family that was very familiar with living paycheck to paycheck, much, much like many of us, understanding how to, to stretch the penny to make ends meet. So, so, so as you cry out to God sometimes and say, God, I... I need help. I don't know how the finances are going to work. Just know this. Jesus Christ is well familiar with the situation that you find yourself in. That's what makes him so very uh, accessible. So this is just a, an ordinary day in the temple. But what happens next is actually anything but normal. So here is the parents bring the child into the temple to perform for him what was uh, customary under the law. They walk into the temple with their two turtle doves and... Simeon comes running up to Mary, takes the baby out of her arms, begins holding him in the air and dancing, saying, Now, Master, you can dismiss your servant in peace as you have promised. For my eyes have seen your salvation. You have prepared it in the presence of all the people, a light for revelation to the Gentiles, and glory for your people Israel. Okay. Absolutely gorgeous and beautiful and wonderful. This man, Simeon, who's been waiting and waiting, and we're going to talk about that in a minute, his waiting is suddenly over. But before we can talk about his waiting being over, before we can talk about the glorious message that he's preaching and speaking in this moment, there is something that we cannot overlook, and it is this. If you show up and grab a baby out of mama's arms and start dancing, we're going to tase you. Okay? Just want to make sure that's clear. Everybody clear, okay? This is not, okay, good. I mean, that, that's pretty weird. You've got to imagine, right? Joseph and Mary are like, what is happening? Of course, it's not the weirdest thing that's happened to Joseph and Mary in the last nine months, for sure, but, but they're certainly uh, kind of wrestling with some of these things. As Simeon looks at this child, what he confesses is that this child isn't just Simeon's salvation. This child is the salvation of the entire world. So now Simeon is doing his big Rafiki impression, right? Oh, the circle of life, that guy. Anna, Anna comes on the scene. We're told that Anna comes up and begins to thank God and to speak to everybody who will listen to her. This is the redemption of, of Israel. This is, this is the one who will redeem all of us. This is the moment that we have been waiting for. So you get that scene, right? It's a normal day at church. You're just doing your job. And, and here comes Simeon stealing your baby, dancing around, shouting and singing. Then you got Anna telling everybody, see that kid? See that kid? That kid's it, the one. That kid's the one. So what in the world is happening? You've got to understand it's a little context. And I've, I've only got five minutes left, so I promise I'm not going to go very long. 
Israel has been waiting for thousands and thousands of years for this one to come and to deliver them. The past hundred, well, actually hundreds of years, they've been in absolute divine silence. They have not heard from God even in the slightest, and they are tired. They're overwhelmed. They're living in darkness and in brokenness and in pain. They're suffering. They're just, they're just done. Simeon is waiting for what was called Israel's consolation, their comfort. For those, when that term is used, most often that's referring to um, a political deliverance. These people are waiting for a political deliverance. You've got to understand that for almost 700 years, Israel's been oppressed by some type of foreign power. You've got Assyria, Babylon, Persia, Greece, and, and now Rome. And Rome is probably the worst out of all of them. And so these people are living under uh, the, the oppression of, of the Roman nation, and they're just waiting for God's promised deliverance, waiting for God's promised restoration. And Simeon himself was waiting for someone to bring that. God, remember, had promised Simeon he wouldn't die until he saw this promised deliverer. So, so Simeon, thinking we're going to overthrow the Romans, is most likely going to the temple every day looking for a family with a military background, looking for a family with some type of leadership pedigree, looking for a family that's got this respected name. They, they graduated from the Naval Academy. They graduated from West Point. They graduated from the Air Force Academy. They served so many years. They were proficient in all of these different uh, military styles. That's the type of people that Simeon was looking for. And every day he's waiting, watching, is this the one? Is this the one? Until one day, God's Holy Spirit whispers in, a ear, in his ear, today, today's the day. And what does he find? He, he does find Jesus, absolutely. And he finds Jesus' family. He does not look like a military family. There, he's a carpenter with his young wife. They're as poor as could possibly be. So what Simeon was expecting is not what Simeon received. Anna was probably waiting for something a little bit different than what Simeon was. It's safe to say that there is no girl that dreams of her life turning out the way her life turned out. Being married as a young teenager, being married for seven years, having her husband die, and then living as a widow for more than 60 years all by herself. And in that time as a widow, you could not provide for yourself. You had very little way of providing for yourself. You were lonely. Most often you were poor. You had nobody to take care of you. So, so her life has turned out incredibly different than what she had expected or what she had hoped. So she's not looking for a political deliverance or a military deliverance. She just wants some personal relief, some personal comfort. So both of them are waiting for very different things, but very big things. Hey, hey. Many of you this Christmas are waiting for some very big things. A season of longing might be what is happening for you. A, a longing for something to be set right. Maybe you've experienced injustice. Maybe you feel like you're the victim of injustice. Maybe life hasn't turned out the way you had always expected it to. Maybe, maybe you just, just want to have my family back together. Maybe, um, maybe you just want to have a family. Maybe, maybe this year you are walking through the unthinkable, the grief that you have over losing 
one of your children. Maybe, maybe you're grieving over the, a miscarriage this year. Maybe, maybe you're just waiting for that prodigal to come home. They haven't yet, but maybe, maybe today's the day. I, I don't know what it is that you are waiting for. But I know, I know this. We hate waiting. We want no part of waiting. That's what makes microwaves, or what made microwaves so popular so fast. That's, that's why we're, we're so quick to get easy pass. That's why we're so fast to pay the extra million dollars on top of the other million dollars we've already paid to Disney to get the speed pass so we can get in front of the lines. That's called cutting. I was told that was sin as a child, but whatever. <laughs> whatever you're waiting for, I know that the thought is there's got to be an answer. There's got to be an answer. And what Simeon and Anna found out is that the answer isn't found in a book of rules about how to live better. It's not found in a list of things to do to improve your life. It's not found in more education or better eating habits. It's not found in a political leader who you think you can align yourself with. It's not found in everything you think it may be found in. God's answer for people who are being held captive in their waiting is this, himself. It's nothing else. It's himself coming into humanity to be their redeemer, to, to offer a rescue to them. This, this child isn't just some child. This is God in flesh. This is God in flesh who's come into everyday humanity to offer salvation to everyday humanity. He didn't come just to give us good feelings around Christmas time, you know, nativity and a manger. He came to give us hope as he took a cross. This, this tiny, fragile baby will grow up and carry our sin to the cross. He will do something for us that we couldn't do for ourselves. He will live a perfect life and then die for our sins to bring us peace with God. That's the message of Christmas. That's what Simeon and Anna recognized, that, that God entered into our mess to bring us peace with God. And in their waiting, that is exactly what they needed. It's interesting, Simeon had heard all the stories from the Old Testament about this one to come, his name will be Emmanuel, which means God with us. And that's beautiful and profound, and all that is in that is right. But don't miss this. It's not just God with us. As Simeon looked into those newborn eyes and held them up for everybody to see, what he experienced in that moment is not God with us. He experienced God with me. And if it doesn't become personal for you, it's nothing more than just a sentimental story. So the question for you is, is he yours? Is he your answer? Because that's why he came. As we close our time together, let's, can we bow our heads real quick? And I just, just want to close our time saying this. It is so simple. The message, to receive the message of Christmas is profoundly simple. It's, it's, it's something you do right now. It's, it's saying yes to Jesus. It's saying, Jesus, I, I give you control over my life. I, 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 give you, I give you everything that I have. I, I yield myself to you, and I proclaim with my mouth what my life demonstrates every day, that I'm a sinner, and I'm separated from God. Listen, all you need to do is say, Jesus, I want you to be my Savior. It doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter how young you are. It doesn't matter exactly where you're sitting. It doesn't matter if your kids are bouncing on your knee, running around the room, or sitting calmly next to you. What matters is this. You need a Savior. And in the quietness of your heart, you can cry out to him right now, Jesus, I want you to be mine.
you are everything and you are mine because you are my answer. Father, thanks for our time. Thank you for the opportunity that you've given to us to worship you. Thank you that we can celebrate what it is that you have done, what it is that you will do. Father, we love you. We thank you for Jesus Christ. We thank you for the precious gift that is him. We thank you, Father, so much that we can have life and life eternal. We thank you that he entered into the mess. We thank you that he came running after us when we didn't deserve him to pursue us. Father, I pray that in these moments that you would work in our hearts, draw us to yourself, and remind us of how good you are to us. It's in the matchless name of Christ I pray. Amen.